0: Hello again and welcome to Ken Drew's Real Dirt Radio, Garden 2.0. I'm your host, Ken Drews. The Esther T. Mertz Library at the New York Botanical Garden in the Bronx has one of the largest collections of seed catalogs and nursery catalogs, old botanical illustrations, old books, new books. It's really, it's an incredible resource. And the U.S. Postal Service is taking advantage of this resource by featuring 10 antique heirloom covers, or details of covers, with plants uh, that were featured between 1891 and 1912, and they're calling them the Botanical Art Forever Stamps. And we're going to talk about old stamps, new stamps, floral stamps, botanical stamps today, with my guest, William Gicker, and he has been with the United States Postal Service and Stamp Services for 17 years. He is the manager of stamp development and directs the stamp selection process, the Citizen Stamp Advisory Committee, the rights clearance process for stamps, and design development for all U.S. stamps. And I'm happy to welcome Bill to Kendra's Dirt today. Hello. It's great to be here. Uh, i I personally have always wondered <laughs> who chooses these and how hard it is to choose them. And everyone knows that for several years, the United States Postal Service has been producing stamps that are interesting, uh, thematic, and beautiful. And, uh, you know, I remember as a kid, stamps weren't like that, <laughs> you know. Right, right? But there, I guess there was a time when the Postal Service realized that people might collect stamps and probably never use them and collect plate blocks, and you can tell me what a plate block is in a moment. Uh, w- when did that start happening? When did they decide to have things like movie stars and superheroes on stamps? I would say
1: the real the real turn happened around 1994. Um, then Postmaster General um, Marvin Runyon, I believe it was, uh, really wanted to do an Elvis stamp. And up until that point, we didn't really have anything that was so pop culture oriented on a stamp, um, the, the committee, the citizen stamp advisory committee that, that makes recommendations to the postmaster general, um, talked it through, weighed out the pros and cons. And uh, eventually we had our, our first Elvis stamp, which really sort of opened things up for the, and, and, you know, we weren't sure how that would be accepted by the American public, but everyone embraced it and, and loved
0: the Elvis stamp. And uh, we kind of went from there. Well, have you done uh, more Elvis stamps since then? We did. We did one um,
1: just last year. Um, It was his 80th uh, birthday. It wasn't for his 80th birthday, but it happened to be his 80th birthday. And uh, we started a series called the Music Icon Series a few years ago. And, you know, even though we had done Elvis, we just thought, well, how could we possibly have a Music Icon Series and not have Elvis Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) present?
0: King of Pop. Or king of rock, I should say. <laughs> it, it's a, it's a departure. <laughs> well, yes. you you mentioned this the citizens advisory committee. What is the uh-huh. citizens stamp advisory committee?
1: So the citizens stamp advisory committee is a group of up to fifteen people. They're selected. Um, because of their contributions they've made to their own fields, whether it be history or science or or any number of things, uh, they're hand selected and chosen by the Postmaster General of the United States and they form what is essentially a citizen um, volunteer group that is outside of the postal Service that weighs the um, credits or the criteria, you know every aspect of, The Over 40,000
0: suggestions we get each year for postage stamps from the American public. Uh, So the public makes suggestions. Who do they make suggestions to? So they write into our office here in Washington, D.C. Like I said, it's up to 40,000
1: a year. We get petitions. We get letters from... um, congressional people, we get letters from, you know, your grandmother in the middle of the country. And what the Citizen Stamp Advisory Committee is tasked to do is review all of them equally. So we don't actually present the committee with the actual letters because we, you know, we give everyone that writes in, whether it's a school child or a senator, the same consideration. It's, it's, they're, they're in place to be the sort of great equalizer. So they are presented with subject ideas, but they have no idea who submitted
0: them or how many. So might that be a, a suggestion for one stamp for one person to commemorate, you know, a senator or something? Or it end. could be. Yes. Yeah, go ahead. It,
1: yeah, I'm sorry. It, yes, it could be. Um, it could be uh, an idea like flowers, or it could be, you know, an idea like peace. We get that quite a bit. But it is essentially, you know. Most often, I would say, it is actually for for individuals, for for people on stamps. Um, The interesting thing about that is people on stamps are one of our least popular sellers. The American public doesn't prefer to put people on their envelopes. They they prefer things like flowers and flags and and things that they consider, I don't know, maybe more benign and, and
0: appealing. Or general, I guess. General, yes. Uh, so, so I mentioned movie stars and superheroes, uh, uh-huh. and you have things like, I, I'm, make, I'm sort of making this up, but it's probably true, history of aviation or something like that. That's true. It, it has, actually, history of aviation has been on stamp. <laughs> so do you think that people buy these and collect these, do, do they imagine that they're going to appreciate and value, or do you think they just get them because they love the way they look? Well,
1: honestly, I think it's probably at this point more about the way they look. You know, the um, stamps have appreciated, not not our modern current stamps, but, you know, what's, what does appreciate is if there's an error on a stamp. Now, of course, as the United States Postal Service, we're trying to do everything we can do to not have errors. We don't want errors. But... If one does slip through, and you know we're printing stamps in the billions, so sometimes when they come off the press, there's something that's not quite right, and despite all the checks and that are in place, it might slip out there that's that's the item that the true collector is really looking for, that unique um rarity that accidentally makes it through our system like
0: an upside down airplane exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> perfect example. Well, if I, if I had to guess what the most popular stamps are, I would say flag <laughs> might be that's the most. Right. Yeah, and maybe love.
1: You know, that's true. Love is very popular, but it would have to be for me flag and then flower and then love because what we hear all the time is, you know, from our clerks who hear it directly from the public coming in to buy stamps is I want something pretty.
0: I want flowers. And if we don't deliver then we we hear it. <laughs> Well, that's a perfect segue, because I went on the uh, USPS website, and if you hunt around a little bit, you can find some of the popular stamp th- series and themes and uh, mm-hmm. from the past. And I found that there are 367 flower stamps on that website that you can mm-hmm. see. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the first one that I saw was from 1948. It was commemorating Mona Michael, who founded the Memorial Poppy, and that's not exactly a flower stamp, but i i that sort of kicked it off and then there's there's really literally hundreds since then, obviously three hundred and sixty seven so uh you've told me a little bit about the process and it's interesting that flowers are so popular so do you have any idea how many flower stamps there have been, or is it actually three hundred and sixty seven you know I honestly don't have a count I, I can imagine
1: been, yeah it's we've done them for for states, so we've done sets of fifty state flowers we've done them where the stamp might not have been about flowers, but a flower may have been used to represent something like um, a couple of years ago we did find help find missing children, which is as far as a stamp goes rather could be a rather bleak and ominous you know message that you're sending on your postage, but the way we chose um, to to portray that as a stamp was to show a little uh, little grouping of forget-me-nots which ties in with missing children. and then one singular forget-me-not off to the side um, as a way of you know, illustrating the, the separation and the you know, of being away from the group. But we did it in a way that the American public could embrace and not have you know, what could have potentially been a very uh, gloomy stamp.
0: Wow, so there's a, there's messages, sometimes hidden messages or symbolic exactly. messages. That's mm-hmm. pretty interesting. Um, some some of the stamps that are botanical are mm-hmm. historical, or uh, and some of them are you know antiques, and some of them are original images. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you have any idea how many are archival and how many are new? Um, well, I've, I've never done a count. I know that what we're constantly
1: doing here is looking for, you know, flowers being one of those items that, that the American public has a great demand for. We're always looking for ways of doing them in ways that don't don't start to feel repetitive. Um, you know, you could look, you know, there's millions of types of flowers, but if they were all handled the same way, it still would get boring to the American public. The, the public definitely likes variety. So, what we're doing is looking for ways of constantly, you know, giving them the variety, whether they be illustration or photography or um, interesting types of photography that portray flowers in a new and interesting way. That's, that's really our goal.
0: A ah, new and interesting way. So tell me a little bit about uh, the flower stamps that came out in January from the New York Botanical Garden.
1: Well, so one of our art directors, Ethel Kessler, had um, gone to the New York Botanical Gardens, not in search of anything, just to enjoy the New York Botanical Gardens, and discovered that they have a huge collection of, of this type of material, not, not limited to these um, plant catalogs, but just a, an amazing assortment of different things. Um, so much so that, you know, it was sort of a, uh, too much <laughs> well, you know, she, she, could, she first had to figure out if we were to explore something with the New York Botanical Garden collection, what would we even limit it to? So um, she started putting some things into stamp format because, you know, once stamps, to, once the art reduces to a stamp size, it still has to hold up as a stamp um, and, and be beautiful, but in such a small space. So um, one of the things that everyone, the other four art directors and, and those of us here that work on the design really liked were these, um, the plant catalogs from the turn of the century. Uh, part of the beauty of them, you know, there are, and I, I have to say, you know, even though we ended up having to take it out, the illustration of the typography is also quite beautiful. We. Ended up removing that typography so that the, the really the star of the day would be the flower and and not be confused by the you know I didn't want people to try to figure out what we were trying to say when really all we were doing was showing and vintage seed catalog or not catalog not
0: seed but vintage plant catalogs. Mm-hmm. I as you're saying this I'm thinking about that and then that's probably step one you know and mm-hmm. that and then there's a picture committee meetings and discussions That's right. <laughs> and That's right. uh, I mean it is you're not exactly the government but you practically are and I'm sure <laughs> well. there's these giant committees and people who hate it and people who love it and people who campaign mm-hmm. for it but I'm telling you what the process is but tell me a little bit more <laughs> about what the process is sure um, and how I'd long does we, it take we,
1: okay yeah we didn't have any haters on this one everyone everyone embraced it so that was a good thing um, what the process is is so with something like the flower stamps because we need them on, a, on an annual basis. It's not it's, it's not so much that it comes through the committee as a suggestion because it's something we already know the public wants. So, the art directors and and, um, and staff here in my group are constantly on the lookout for new sources of of inspiration so what first happens is the art director would bring a concept in to our monthly art director meetings it gets discussed debated you know suggestions are made um, some revisions happen and that can take anywhere from um, two to three months to up to a year depending on how complex the subject matter is after we get it to a point where we're happy with it, it then goes to the design subcommittee of the Citizen Stamp Advisory Committee, and they're their are group of professional designers, illustrators, who have been brought on to give advice and to look at it with fresh eyes. Because you know, after we've been working on it for so long, you know, you need the fresh eyes to see what other issues might have crept into the process and we didn't notice. So once it is approved by the design subcommittee, which usually happens fairly easily, um, and and they meet on a quarterly basis, the citizen stamp advisory committee, then it would be presented to the full committee. And um, if everyone's happy and has no concerns, then it it gets presented to the postmaster general because ultimately the postmaster general of the United States is the ultimate decider whether something becomes a stamp or not.
0: And in in this case, do you know how long it took? In this
1: case, I think it was probably about six months. It, like I said, this wasn't a terribly complex one, but we had some issues. First, we had to you know narrow it down. We, we spent a lot of time deciding between a lot of different elements in their collection, and I'm sure we'll be going back to their collection. Oh. Um, but it was we narrowed it down as best we could, and then um, so I would say about six months for this one. Well,
0: that sounds. Pretty good, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's one of it's one of our nicer, easier ones. <laughs> I want to remind people that I'm speaking with Bill Gicker, manager of stamp development for the United States Postal Service. As, so you mentioned that you have a floral stamp every year. You do an annual floral stamp.
1: We try to have at le- yeah at least one flower in the program or something floral in the program every year, or every rate change, I should say. Um, rate, change, rate changes have been happening about every year, so whenever the rates change, we try to make sure we have at least one flower or floral in the program.
0: Well, uh, rate change, these are forever stamps, so yeah. uh, obviously you can use them forever. When did gotcha. the forever stamp start, do you know?
1: The Forever Stamp started around 2007, I believe, with the uh, Liberty Bill. Um, In 2011, we actually expanded the program to, and the the second stamp that was featured were um, pines, and they were released around Christmas time. They were not Christmas, but they were very wintry. They were just nice pines with, with the pine cone, and that was the second Forever Stamp that was in 2011.
0: So you can use that stamp today or forever. <laughs> Absolutely. That's a forever. great idea. It's always, it's
1: always good for
0: current first-class rate. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Now I'm going to ask you, what's the current first-class rate as of 2016? As of 16, right now, it's at 49 cents. Uh, you know, the problem with the forever stamps is I don't know how much stamps cost anymore. <laughs>
1: That's right. Well, actually, we have that same problem here. But <laughs> the good news is you don't need to know as long as you know that you can use that forever.
0: <laughs> I don't know if you have them in front of you or if you can tell me what some of the images on the stamps are, on the on the New York Botanical Garden uh, nursery catalog stamps are.
1: The, the flowers themselves? Are you um, saying? Yeah, if you,
0: if you have it in front of you. Let me see. I don't expect you to have memorized them. (laughs) Oh,
1: well, thank you. (laughs) Now, the stamp art features 10 designs. Um, They they are repeated twice. It's a booklet of 20 that you're purchasing. Um, They all feature, I'm sorry, they feature illustration from American nursery catalogs printed between 1891 and 1912. And, of course, they're courtesy to us of the New York Botanical Garden. The catalogs um, are in their nursery and seed catalog collection. We feature a corn lily, Uh uh, hybrid tulips, gill flowers, gilly flowers, I'm Mm. sorry. We have the lion, which is um, listed in the American Rose Society Registry, so that's a rose, petunias, Uh, more tulips, dahlias, Japanese iris, and their hybrids, daffodils
0: and jonquils are on one stamp. It's funny the the names that you're using, which are common names, are names that we don't. Some of them we don't even use anymore, like gillyflowers, right. which yeah. people in England know what a gillyflower is, but people here don't. Oh,
1: I, gilly- I do have the species name here, but I was re- <laughs> oh. I was trying to avoid oh. saying it. Oh, oh. Um, I should really put matth- it. Matahuela, M A T T, H I O L A,
0: I N C A N A. Mathiola in cana that's what we might know as stock and there is an illustration of stock it's one of the 10 images i always hear gilly flowers in english movies and i thought gillyflowers flowers were like sweet william uh, like carnations uh, p- and pinks that that are very fragrant and smell like clove i thought there was an image of carnations as one of the 10 stamps but it's actually a double petunia Something you don't often see, and it just shows to goya that uh, these old images, these antiques, are flowers that we may not be familiar with.
1: The other interesting element about these stamps is what we did discover is that all of the all of the um, specimens shown on the stamps are all no longer with us. They are all um, varieties that are no longer in existence. Oh,
0: did it. It. Well, how did you yeah. how did you decide? Is that just a coincidence, or did, did you decide was, to do that? It was. It was. No, it was a coincidence. Um, the uh, when we
1: sent because we we verify everything. Um, we send things out to to experts in the field and have them uh, just go over everything with a fine tooth comb. And what what we got back was we're not sure if this is an issue or not, but um, all of these all of these species are no longer in production. And we didn't think it was an issue. I mean, these are vintage covers, uh, but we did find it to be an interesting coincidence.
0: Yeah. So we can call these the heirloom floral stamps. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe some of them do exist in collections or in people's gardens. but uh, Yeah, it's possible. It's no
1: longer being sold commercially, probably, is the best way to say it.
0: Well, that's what happens. The nurseries want to put the next new thing on the cover. It's fashion. They have to sell product, and they want to sell something that's unique. And then the next year, they put the next new thing on the cover. And when we're looking at images from 1891 to 1912, the names have changed. The flowers are gone. And uh, it's the legacy of commerce. You mentioned that these floral stamps are in a booklet. It is. So what's the difference between... Well, obviously, a booklet, we know what a book of stamps is, and I guess a mm-hmm. booklet might be a small book <laughs> of stamps. There's sheets of stamps, uh, especially in the series, uh, mm-hmm. like the comic book heroes, superheroes, and things like that. Uh, so, mm-hmm. so what's a plate block?
1: A plate block is sometimes at two corners, sometimes at four corners of a stamp pane, there will be a, a number, and that number indicates what who printed the stamp, which one of our um, security printers printed the stamp, and then it'll be followed by a series of numbers. Usually those numbers are all ones, and those ones are the um colors used the inks used to create that stamp. so if it's four color process it would and and that's all it used. There would be four ones following the initial for the printer, and those four colors there would be one black, one magenta, one cyan and one's yellow. And then people would collect a block of four or um, however they choose to collect with that plate block number.
0: So is a plate block uh, potentially more valuable than individual stamps? Or I guess it depends on the stamps. Yeah, it's, it's sort of... Beauties in the eye
1: of the beholder. So if, if what you're interested in is plate blocks, then certainly it would be of more value to you. But if you're simply collecting stamps, that's the good thing about the hobby of stamp collecting. There are um, an, infinite way, an infinite variety of ways to collect. So you can be very specific and collect plate blocks, or you can be very general. You can even, you know, we encourage children to just start um, collecting, cutting them off the corner of envelopes and start collecting that way
0: is a in general is a cancelled stamp worth more than a, a stamp that hasn 't been used
1: well, the interesting thing is a stamp that has not been cancelled should theoretically still be worth the face value to use it for our service so <laughs> if, if it 's gone through the mail stream, it should be cancelled but if you know again it's we 're talking in the billions if it's if it happens not to be cancelled, then you know it in our view it's still it's still valid postage but If it's attached to an envelope, it's a little difficult to get it off. Um, But no, again, I think it has to come back to, you know, beauty in the eye of the beholder. If you, there are people who very specifically collect canceled stamps, but then there are people who want what they call mint stamps, which are as untouched as possible.
0: I just purchased some rose stamps uh, a little while ago that were very nice. And it's, I'm thrilled to hear that floral stamps are so popular Oh, and yeah. that that's something that uh, the Postal Service issues frequently. Uh, I'm actually surprised, <laughs> and I, I'm very happy <laughs> to hear that. Yeah. And I want to thank you for being my guest today. I've been speaking with William Bill Gicker, who is the Manager of Stamp Development for the United States Postal Service, and learning more about how stamps are chosen, and hearing a bit about the New York Botanical Garden uh, their con- contribution to the new stamps that came out in January 2016. And thank you again for being my guest. Well, thank you. Thank you for your interest in stamps. Well, my takeaway from our discussion today is that I'm going to make some recommendations for floral stamps and send them into the U.S. Postal Service. Uh, I'll find out what address that is and post it on the Kendrew's Real Dirt website. And we'll have links there, too, for Uh, The Postal Service floral page, which has those 367 different pictures of floral stamps over the years. Uh, Who knows? Maybe I'll end up uh, having a photograph of a flower made by me or maybe even a painting. See you next week.